Welcome to the Keep Texas Red podcast, where we discuss the importance of true conservative values. Follow us on KeepTexasRed.org. And now, here's your host, campaign strategist and political commentator, Joseph Vargas. Welcome to the uh, Keep Texas Red podcast. Our guest today is the former president of the Texas Eagle Forum. She received the Outstanding Eagle Award from the late Phyllis Schlafly, and she is running for Lieutenant Governor of Texas. Welcome, Tracy Bradford. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, Tracy, let's go back a little bit here. Now, initially, what was that one trigger action that made you decide to even get involved in politics? <laughs> I think uh, my dad, um, from very early on, honestly, um, he would write letters to everybody and would ha- uh, talk to me even as a little kid. You know, if you aren't going to engage, then don't complain. And so, you know, I, that's from the very beginning we've been involved. And then I think it's just I've always loved policy. And I, I'm very passionate about just about every issue that, that's out there. So, um, and then you have children. And when you have children, that really, for me, was put your money where your mouth is. Put your put your walk to your talk. Tracy, you are running for lieutenant governor of Texas. Mm-hmm. What does a lieutenant governor do? So the lieutenant governor is actually the president of the Senate. And um, the lieutenant governor title, which I found was really interesting, is when he is um, serving or he, she is serving in place of the governor. So when president of the Senate, they're the gatekeeper to what legislation comes in, where they'll put that legislation. They pick the committee chairs. They pick where the legislation goes. Um they, they really drive that whole Senate. The other thing is they are on the head of the, they're part of the head team or the main team for the legislative budget board that sets the mission for our Texas budget. And so um, they even uh, set up the standards for the agencies and how they will uh, submit their requests for appropriations going forward for that next two years. So there's a lot that is wrapped up in um, the lieutenant governor, there's actually, in Texas, that position has, from a legislative perspective, because of that, you are have more power than even the governor, who, yes, he has a, a powerful position, but the governor doesn't drive the legislation. He can't. He's not supposed to. One of the key points on the lieutenant governor is also the budget, right? You have a lot to say with the budget. Mm-hmm. Now, with a Tracy Bradford lieutenant governor, how would that be different than the current budget? Oh, wow. Um, You know, one thing I've learned uh, in digging in a lot of times when you see something that has a big fiscal note or a couple years ago, there was a really big push for the mental health bills that did pass. And so I started digging in trying to figure out, do we why do we need all this? And there's so much waste and redundancy in our budget that for me, people, we talk about property taxes, we talk about funding schools. There is so much waste and there is so much, well, we have a spending problem. We have a spending problem locally. We have a spend, spending problem statewide. And until we want to get to the root of that and change that and, and realize we have to operate within our means, that's what a good business would do. And here we have so many you know, business owners that, that run the legislation. I just really would like to see trimming down making, there's going to be hard cuts. I mean, you have to go back and look at the, 
the amount of spending for these programs and these agencies. And I feel very strongly about that. And when you are looking at people and you're talking to people around the state who are losing their homes, their property they're losing because of property taxes. Can we really address property taxes if we don't address the root cause? So that's something I've really been trying to dig into. I was on the conservative budget board when I was with Texas Eagle Forum and really got to spend time with some of these you know, great minds where I'm just trying to learn about property taxes and you know, cutting or abolishing the property tax, phasing it out. And, you know, the question then becomes, how do you, how do you um, fund those things? You know, immediately people are like, what about schools? And there's, there's, there's other options that are good, viable options. So I, don't know, I hope that helped. <laughs> right. Now, Tracy, you've been involved for many years. You're not a newcomer to fighting in Austin for the conservative values. How many years have you been involved? So down in Austin, I would say um, actively about 15, but I was still from my home because at that point I had a house full of small children, but about six sessions ago, um, it was six sessions ago, I started going down to Austin um, on behalf of Dallas Eagle Forum and then Texas Eagle Forum, and I would go every week, at least one full day of the week, be down there to walk the halls, meet and build relationships, get the legislation to me. When you work with Eagle Forum, you are really encouraged to dig deep and know what the issues are that you're going to work on. So. Uh, it's been about, yeah, since 2000, 2011, we went down there a little bit, but it started in 2013, so every session since then. A lot of us here in, in the, uh, just across the state, either we hear our representatives running for office, but few of us have had the opportunity to actually go to the Capitol and see how things actually run. A lot of times mm -hmm. we just hear the candidate's mouthpiece or they're saying, especially during campaign season, everybody that's running is running as a fiscal conservative. <laughs> you know, there's so many other things that they say. But then they have going to Austin. It's a total different ballgame at times when it comes to the voting records, what they actually do. You've been actually there several times as well. So what has that given you as a personal experience that would better prepare you? So going down to Austin, um, it was very important for me. I'm, I'm a, I like to dig. So it was very important for me to understand how, first of all, the system that we have was set up. And then to be able to go down there and literally take bill language that you have an idea and take it and, and find legislators that agree with that idea and then work through the process to help them any way you can to get that moving. It's not just going down to one hearing. It's from the beginning understanding what's the next step in the process. How does this work? How many places can the bill be sidetracked or, or killed? how much effort and you know doing this as a as a volunteer you know you're you're learning really by watching i would go sit in committee hearings i would go sit in the gallery uh, i wanted to understand the process and it really is an amazing process when allowed to work the way it is supposed to and you know we don't want to pass a lot of legislation so i I became a little more, I would really try to pay attention is what we're asking for in legislation really necessary Be you know, because right now, look what we're doing. We're actually having to legislate basically our constitutional rights and, and ask for them back. And that's that's crazy. So you really do want to have very few bills passed. You want those to be good, solid bills. So it takes a lot of work because 
they rewrite the bills, it goes to ledge council, it comes back, and you're like, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> that's not close to what we're asking for. And, um, you know, there is the whole process of going to the committees. And as you know, in the House, you have the calendars committee, and you've got to hope you can get through that gauntlet. And in the Senate, you've got the intent calendar. So there's a lot to, to delve into. I ask a lot of questions. I met a lot of great staff people down there who uh, were just so good to, to educate me on the process and, and when I had questions. So I, I like to ask questions. I like to dig deep and figure out what is it I'm getting myself into. But how does this run? How does the state of Texas run? You know, like your comment about how about the bills, is sometimes we don't need that many bills. A lot of uh, elected officials, they define their effectiveness as to how many bills they pass. But many times mm -hmm. these bills, all they do is really they either create more of our taxpayer money being spent or either infringing on more of our rights, more regulations. Yep. And a lot of times people don't realize that. So we need to ask these people, well, you know, what is the effect of this? Did you go down there to Austin to actually defend our rights and freedoms? Or what mm -hmm. is that you're doing? So I think that's an important point. Now, you are running for lieutenant governor. We currently do have a lieutenant governor, an incumbent mm -hmm. one. So mm -hmm. why are you running? So usually when I tell people, if you're running and there is an incumbent, it's obviously you probably don't feel that the job is getting done the right way. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why is Tracy Bradford running for lieutenant governor? Well, I, I want to preface this with I've never seen myself as running for office. It was not a goal. Um, I liked being a grassroots activist. And in that time, I have crossed paths legislatively and even in person with our, our current lieutenant governor. And I tend to like, you know, if somebody's going to be in office, then let's see what you're going to get done. And so when I was approached about running for office, you know, I looked back and I realized, I knew, I, I really hoped we would see a shift in getting our priorities passed, getting them passed timely in the Senate so that they get through the process, can get to the House and, and be, you know, be passed. Some of, some of the issues that, you know, it's back to our legislative priorities and for people that, I, I would figure most people that, that know you know how this works, but, you know, the, the process of the priorities come from the people and so we are very clear as a party when we submit we the people here here what we are we want to see passed and when they are not passed and when we're we're petitioning and to some point even begging for you know these issues to be taken care of and time after time they are either well pretty much they haven't been we have election integrity and yes we got a few things but we got a few things taken out. We actually had, legis I mean, the legislation, the, there was amendment put on there that actually took voter fraud from a felony to a misdemeanor. So why does this matter? Well, it matters because they told us when they were going to take office that they were going to fight for the, the people and it's the consent of the governed. And what do we have is we have people growing government, not stopping governmental overreach. And, and the, the, the to me, after 12 years of watching these people and the governor and the lieutenant governor in office and not seeing our priorities fought for, not seeing our rights fought for and protected during COVID. And I realized the lieutenant governor cannot call a special session, but he could sure be hounding the heck out of the governor every single day to tell him, hey, executive order after executive order is not how this government is supposed to run. And there should have been an outcry on behalf of the lieutenant governor as the legislative head from 
right off the bat in 2020 when we saw executive order after, after executive order. He didn't stand up and fight for that. And so at this point, it's, you know, there, there needs to be a change. And I, I struggled. I struggled with the fact that I do know and have worked with um, a good portion of the senators. And I thought, who am I to think I could go in and, and, and run this? But that's not how I see it. I see it as a voice for the people, but also you are the gatekeeper to the legislature in the Senate and to the ability to facilitate these people that were elected to do their jobs. You know, you mentioned a good point right there. And I've, what I've come to call it is that a lot of the uh, elected officials, they expect you to settle for what I call conservative scraps. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you have a lot of them come back and say, well, we got this pass. We didn't get this other pass, but send me back and I'll do this again. And then yeah. you always keep getting just so little of it. And it comes from the table. Never. Exactly. Cur- that, that's another good term right there. And it, it goes now, right now, you know, every candidate that's running with an R behind their name is going to call himself a conservative, mm-hmm. a conservative Republican. Now, what I've gotten to do now, Tracy, I actually asked them to define what a conservative is. And how will that actually affect their voting? You know, because it's very easy. Even if you see right now, I'm sure you've probably gotten a lot of the uh, the mailers, the push cards yep. from all these different candidates. Mm-hmm. Some of them, if you look at their voting record, mm-hmm. you can see that they voted very liberal. They voted, you know, with the left, you know, in so many issues. But yet they call themselves a conservative Republican. Now, you, you are a conservative Republican. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Now, how Absolutely. do you define being a conservative Republican for me, it's uh, there's several pieces to that. There is the my my faith drives how I how I look at life, and to be a conservative to me means I am a, I value life. That's foundational. I value the Constitution. I value the rule of law. I value the role we play as citizens, and that this is on on our shoulders too, you know, it really is. We are the ones who are sending people to office. And so one of the things to me is if it comes out of my mouth, I have to stand on it. So if I'm gonna tell you I'm pro-life, then I'm going to stand on the principles I told you I would. And as a conservative too, I believe in self-governing versus governmental overreach. I, I, you know, I believe in small government. I, I believe that we have We've been given the privilege to steward the state. And honestly, conservative principles will benefit everybody. You know, you think about we value life. We value the family. These are the roots to a strong society. We value the rule of law. Well, that, that doesn't mean we want a million laws. That means we value our Constitution. And most of the answers for the issues we have can be found in the Constitution if we would just apply that, and apply it in our personal life, and apply it in how we how we govern. You know, currently, um, there are a lot of issues, sort of what you mentioned right now. Uh, the sanctity of life, that's one of your issues I know that you're concerned with. Uh, the border security and mm-hmm. the Texas sovereignty. Uh, mm-hmm. That has really uh, been uh, in the news right now nationwide, you know, with the issues on the border. You yeah. also on your issues, it's election integrity, the anti-human trafficking, energy independence and stopping government overreach. You know, stopping government overreach, that's a huge one right now. And one of the things that I've, I've said, Tracy, is that 
when there are Democrat mayors, Democrat governors, you always find a way to go around any type of conservative legislation. You know, they, they declare themselves either being some kind of a sanctuary from it or but they always find a way to go around it. When President Trump was in office, all of his policies were challenged. You know, you would see all these different mayors and, and Democrat governors going against it, finding ways to go around it. Now that it's the other way around, you have a Biden presidency uh, setting all these government overreaching. There's a lot of people in office in, in, in Austin and, and all across the country that are saying, well, there's nothing we can do yeah. because it's the federal government. How would you deal with this? Again, go back to the Constitution, and one of the things that is so um, honestly miraculous about this Constitution, which is the, we're the only country that's lived under one Constitution for over 200 years, and they are very clear. The federal government had very prescribed actions. The state has an incredible amount of power, and when you do not, as you were talking and you said, you have, um, they, they ignore they ignore the rule of law. They ignore, because legislation becomes law. If it's passed, it becomes law. So they're basically thumbing their nose at the law. Well, that's okay. I'm not that's okay, but there has to be consequences when we don't follow the law. At the same time, what is the Constitution saying? And when you're talking about personal liberties and the state, again, are you tracking with what is laid out in the Constitution? And the, the, the ability to push back against the federal government, you brought up Texas sovereignty, and there was a bill um, that was brought up last session on Texas sovereignty. And it actually talked about having a commission or a committee that would be formed between the House and the Senate that would take federal mandates or federal action that's being taken against the state. They would review it to see if it aligned with the federal and state constitution. And if it didn't, then the actions would be taken to not follow through on that particular edict or mandate. And even the courts would be held to, in this, this particular bill, it said even the courts would need to operate from the original t intent of the signers. And I was like, this, this is incredible, you know, because it cuts through you know, a lot of just layers of mandates or executive orders and and i don't care if you're even a governor or a, a, a an official i believe in an executive order should be a rare thing not we now have people they're, they're just ruling by executive order and that is not how our system is set up so you can take any issue and, and look at what can the state do in this and what is what is our prerogative as a state and are there times, I can tell you these, these different mandates that came out and you see these school districts just going, I'm not going to, I'm not, we're not going to follow that. Well, have you seen consequences to that when they go against, like, are they being sued right now? It's Round Rock. You know, there's uh, the, the attorney general um, and they're not, they're not paying attention. So you've kind of got this mixture of we can do what we want, but that's not the same as self-governing. Uh, the uh, Democrats, you know, when they fled Texas, you know, when they came back, there was no no consequence. And apparently there wasn't even a, a warrant called in or a, a, a complaint filed. I think it was mentioned that there was. And the state legislators that stayed and did what they were supposed to do. Actually, we had two come speak at an event we were at. And they had like basically a hall pass that was a certain color that day 
that they came in uh, and had to have this, you know, this release to be able to come visit us. And I thought that was very interesting that people that stayed to follow their commitment um, were actually having to be the ones getting a, a hall pass while the others were, you know, they just flew off. And when they came back, nothing. So why? There's no boundary. Any parent knows if you don't put some boundaries in, you're going to have the consistent behavior. They know they can get away with it. Before we, we conclude, I always like to ask what kind of recommendations they have for uh, somebody that's getting into getting involved with politics, especially mm -hmm. somebody young. What are your, uh, probably your advice, what is your advice or what are your recommendations for them? First of all, just, can, you know, good for you for caring and don't get discouraged. Um, I was talking to a young lady last night that actually has is very passionate about um, safe driving. Uh, she had a friend killed. Someone was texting and hit her friend, and it was her best friend and, and had killed her friend. And she was asking a similar question. And, you know, we talked to her about um, the fact that she had gone down to the legislature and she, she studied it again. But she started, we were saying, look for people who are uh, also looking, you know, kind of um, like-minded. But also make sure, I just, uh, up front I want to encourage people because it doesn't just happen overnight. And be willing to, to take time to not just educate yourself, but as you get, get to meet others, um, and maybe it's not a fit, don't get disappointed. There's a lot of great groups. A lot of times if you go to a group that's established, you know, that might not be your cup of tea. But I bet if you talk to people in that group, I have found, even with us, yeah, we'd love if you'd be part of Eagle Forum. But if that one you're fit, then how can we help you? And um, if you're really interested and you know you're a conservative, then get involved with the local party or the local conservative group. A lot of times you can just type it in and see. But I also like to have some people, key people. I've always done this because I, I loved politics from early on in government. Kind of these touch point people that I know what I believe, but I like to just check sometimes and see what I can learn from others. And I think when you um, are willing to stick it out and... You know, if you're passionate about one certain thing, then find that group that that's what they focus on. If you're passionate about a lot of things, then there are places like um, Eagle Forum, Concerned Women for America, Patriot Academy, if you're just getting into this. I mean, there's so many great places you can plug in. But if you know you're a conservative, jump in and go visit some of your parties around in your city, you know, your Republican Party, in your county party. Get plug in there. That's very good advice. Now, Tracy, um, the website is a your website for your campaign is Tracy, mm -hmm. and that's T R A Y C E. Uh -huh. The number four Texas.com. That's Tracy for Texas.com. You just have a very unique way of spelling Tracy, <laughs> which is good. You're, you're one of a kind spelling. That's T R A Y C E, the number four Texas.com. Uh, is there somewhere else listeners can go to find you online? We also have Tracy for Texas on. Um, are on Facebook and on Instagram, and we're also getting a, uh, on a new platform called Tuvu, and they're about to get released pretty soon here. So we um, we're on those, and uh, we're on Twitter. I'm gonna be real honest with you. I am uh, Twitter's not my thing, and not my place. We really want to hang out. They they tend. There's been some things issues over the year. We fought with them on um, with trafficking. So we won't be on Twitter as much, but we are other places. And um, right. Facebook is probably one of the better places in Instagram right now, but we are looking out at these other new platforms, which is exciting. Good to see competition yes, in there. 
Now, Tracy, wish you all the best on the campaign trail. Thank you. And we'll definitely be in touch. Well, I appreciate your time today, Joseph. I really do. Thank you for all your help. Oh, thank you for being on the Keep Texas Red podcast today. Absolutely. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Keep Texas Red podcast. Follow us on keeptexasred.org.